Andrew. And I'm Rachel. Nice. And this is um, the uh, casual. No, it's not. <laughs> You're <right>. correct. <laughs> it's armchair apocrypha. Okay, it's one of those. It's one of those. It's one of those that we it's, just said. It's the one that I said. <laughs> uh, this is arm. Uh, Armchair Apocrypha. Apocrypha. <laughs> uh, this is the podcast where armchair experts tell possibly true stories. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or not entire stories, as mine will probably Yours be. will not be an entire story? Well, there's so much. Oh, I'll get to it when we get to it. <laughs> okay. Story. Mine will be a two-parter, so. Oh, yes. Yeah. Have you ever done one before? I don't think I've done a two-parter before. I don't think you have either. Kind of with uh, the Haymarket Martyrs. Yeah, you like add a little more. Yeah. yeah. Write it on. But it was more of a spinoff than a two-parter, but my two-parter was Lone Suffrage. Oh yeah, I still didn't even get to what happened over in London, right. but another day, another time. <laughs> There's some shit over there. <laughs> there is, some, yeah, some shit with the British suffrage. Amazing. Yeah, uh, I'm officially unemployed, so uh, Pacific Northwest Stories. If you're listening, uh, feel free to hire me. <laughs> um, how was your week? It was good. I'm still employed. <laughs> but I didn't put in my two weeks notice. That's true. Um, it was good. I'm trying to remember what happened. Um, trivia, we lost. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> um, uh, Drake's. We talked about the house. Yeah. We were buying buying a process. House. Um, I think we got it all figured. Well, all of it. I think yeah. we got a good setting. Most of it, yeah. Yeah. Well, no one. June slash July. Yeah. I'm excited. Like, every time I think... I told you about this on Friday. Like, every time I think about it, I get, like, super, super excited about it. I just love the idea. Yeah. I love where I'm living here now, but I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to get out of my apartment. Uh, I've told you my neighbors, they play, like, really loud music on the weekends, right? You've said it, but I didn't know it was a regular thing. It's pretty regular. Yeah. It's, like, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There's just music blasting. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm ready to get And they know that they have people who are here. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not soundproof. Right. No. You can't be stupid. Those walls are paper thin. Oh. (laughs) It's awful. Sorry. Yeah. It's fine. We're going to buy a house, and then it'll be all great. Then I'll make sure to play music on Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. Hopefully not under the the, uh, airplane path, like the when I was living on 3rd Street. Um, Hopefully someplace, like, without that constant noise. Gonna have like a little sound noise machine <laughs> that just cancels it all out. Just gonna be wearing head- headphones con- constantly. Yeah, yeah. That that makes for a good night's <laughs> sleep. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, what else is going on? I'm just getting ready for a vacation in a couple weeks. I yeah. can't wait. So. Where are you going? Panama. Panama. Yeah. Sounds fun. I know. I can't wait. I need to go bathing suit shopping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. I've gained so much weight since the last time I've worn a bathing suit. I was like, shit. <laughs> Not that it matters too much, but I have to go bathing suit shop, stop shopping, and I want to just go shopping for flip-flops and shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. I can't wait. You've got something else going on this week, too. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting. You keep reminding <laughs> me. My birthday's in two days. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody wish Rachel a happy birthday, um, either on Twitter or... Uh, on uh, Instagram, yeah. Um, let her know how much you uh, you appreciate her. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and that will be fun because then I'll end the night at trivia with yeah. all you guys, which will be nice. Yeah, 
a and complete I, one. And yes, then, we'll have to do it for yeah. us. We like just tell her him to sabotage himself for my sake. <laughs> we'll just slide uh, Clay a ten dollar bill. <laughs> yes. Like, okay. Give it's us Rachel's all the birthday. right answers. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. That's in my birthday that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm excited. I think it'll be a good day. Nice. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, do you want to get into it? Let's do it. Sweet. I'm excited for your part one. So, yeah, I'm going to be splitting this up into two parts. Um, my subject this week is Volterine Declare. Volterine? Volterine? Mm-mm. You've never heard of her? She was she an... Am- never mind. Tell she me sounds- about her. Just the name. <laughs> Volterine Declare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she sounds like a character from Gone with the Wind. <laughs> <laughs> she was not. Okay. <laughs> um, she was an American anarchist, and she was a prolific writer and speaker, um, and she died relatively young. She died in her 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to split this up because she went through like kind of a transformation over her life. She started off as an individualist anarchist, and she eventually moved uh, to a um, mutualist perspective. Um, so I'm going to split it up into two parts. Uh, today I'm just going to talk about her biography. Okay. Um, what happened in her lifetime, all that stuff. And then next week I'll talk a little bit about her, uh, her philosophy. Oh, okay. I like it. Good. Um, so she, uh, let's see. She was born in Leslie, Michigan, which is near where my brother lives. Um, she le- she later moved with her family to St. John's, where she lived with her unhappily married parents in extreme poverty. So not a not a great childhood. Um, like St. John's, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, both of her parents had uh, a- activism chops. Um, they were both uh, suffragists, um, and they were uh, both. Uh, uh, they were unhappily slavery. married suffragists. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they were, uh, for, um, abolition of slavery. They Mm -hmm. were, uh, for suffrage. Um, they both had big activism chops, um, but they were also not very well employed. Um, they were not very happily married. Um, so a little bit of a mixed bag there. Yeah. Um, her father, August Declare, named her after a French Enlightenment author. Ah, oh, that's where she gets the name. Yeah. From Voltaire. Voltaire! Yes. <laughs> uh, Voltaire, um, at age of 12, she was placed into a Catholic convent in Sarnia, Ontario, um, by her father because he thought it would give her a good uh, education. Then she stays in Canada for the rest <laughs> of her life and enjoys it. She came back. Why? <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, a Catholic convent? Uh-huh. Hmm. He thought that she would get the uh, the best education she could get there. Did she? Uh, apparently, she was very well-spoken, very well-written, so she got a good education. Uh, it had the effect of moving her towards atheism. Um, she despised Christianity. A Catholic convent turns people towards atheism? Yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> a little bit like Mary, graduating from uh, Catholic, high school. Catholic high school. And now <clears throat> she's a... Uh, yeah. She is what she is. <laughs> She is what she is. Um, Of her time spent at the convent, she said, It had been like the valley of the shadow of death, and there are white scars on my soul, where ignorance and superstition burnt me with their hellfire in those stifling days. I like the poetry. She's very well written. 
Um, she attempted to run away by swimming to Port Huron, Michigan, and hiking 17 miles uh, back to her family uh, home. Um, but she met friends of her family who contacted her father and sent her back to the convent. This is why we need a wall between Canada and the United States. <laughs> That's exactly. Uh, let's build that wall. Let's build that wall first. <laughs> Um, it's a longer wall, so let's just go for it. Yeah. Um, so, family ties to the abolitionist movement, the Underground Railroad, the suffragettes. Uh, she also had uh, the unrelenting poverty that she grew up in, and uh, being named after the philosopher Voltaire all contributed to her becoming uh, radical um, and expressing radical rhetoric. Um, and all of the, uh, the poetic kind of um, post-enlightenment, pushing the buttons uh, rhetoric that she grew up with after high school. Um, after schooling in the convent, she moved back to uh, Michigan, to Grand Rapids, and began her um, intellectual involvement in the strongly anti-clerical free-thought movement by lecturing and contributing articles to free-thought periodicals. Eventually, she became the editor of a free thought newspaper titled The Progressive Age. The Progressive Age? Mm-hmm. So... And what year is this? <clears throat> this would have been in the 1880s. Progressive Age, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, during her time in the, three, the free thought movement in the mid and late 1880s, Claire was especially influenced by Thomas Paine, uh, Mary Wollstonecraft, and Clarence Darrow. You know those guys? Yeah, I'm familiar with all three, actually. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, for listeners, uh, if you don't recognize the, the name Mary Wollstonecraft, it was Mary Shelley's mom. So uh, Mary Shelley's mom and dad are both uh, big philo- phil- philosophical writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you should look into them if you haven't. Uh, she was also influenced by Henry David Thoreau, Big Bill Haywood, and Eugene Debs. So she's got Eugene this- Debs? Eugene Debs. <laughs> I can see that actually. So yeah. she's got this nice, like, radical. Yeah, she's got all uh, those people. Pedigree, yeah. <laughs> all of these people that are inspiring her. Um, after the hang of the Haymarket protesters in 1887, which you might remember that rings a bell. from an earlier episode, <laughs> she decided that she was an anarchist and that she was, uh, uh, that was her ideology, was that she would be an individualist anarchist. Um, up until the Haymarket protesters, she said, I believed in the essential justice of the American law of trial by jury. After that, I never could. Hmm. Um, she was known as an excellent speaker and writer, uh, in the opinion of biographer Paul Average. She was a greater liter- literary talent than any other American anarchist. Um, and as a tireless advocate for the anarchist cause, whose religious seal, according to Goldman, stamped everything she did. Um, in 1890, she gave birth to a son. Uh, her, she, her, and another free thinker, James B. Eliot, uh, gave birth to a son. Um, and his name was Harry, and he lived with Eliot, and Declare uh, had no part in his upbringing, so he was estranged from his mom. Wait, say that again. She and another freethinker, James P. Eliot, had a child, had a child yes. named uh, Harry. Yeah. Um, as agreed to by Voltaire 
uh, he grew up with uh, Elliot dad? instead of with so both her. of them. Okay. And she had no nothing in his uh, nothing to do with his upbringing. Okay. So they were pretty much estranged yeah. throughout his life. Mm-hmm. I got you. Okay. I don't know. <clears throat> First time I heard that, I thought it had something to do with the dad, and then yeah. it's like, wait, nope, that name doesn't. Mm-hmm. They don't match now. Right. Uh, it's a little bit muddled because they said his name after they said what had happened, so I had to like. I got it, you. And I yeah. was trying to make it make more sense, and it wasn't. Um, uh, her relationship ended with uh, with um, Dyer D. Lum, uh, who was she considered her greatest teacher um, in 1893, shortly before he committed suicide. Well, that's a sad note. Yeah, she does not have great relationships with no. pretty much anybody. <laughs> Um, from it's where 18- you just get yourself a dog. <laughs> <laughs> get yourself a dog, uh, some outdoor cats, uh, eh. maybe a bird. <laughs> maybe a bird. <laughs> <laughs> a fish. A fish. A fish. My fish never lasts long, and then I just gave up, and I felt they were better off in the <laughs> store than with me. Maybe a succulent. Maybe just put a succulent in the corner. Yeah, there's yeah. mine over there, still alive. I haven't watered it in like three weeks. So going strong. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll do it tonight. Um, from 1889 to 1910, uh, she lived in Philadelphia among poor Jewish immigrants. Um, there she taught English and music, and she learned to speak and write in Yiddish. That would be cool. Yeah. Mazel tov. <laughs> Mazel tov. I think that's Hebrew, but I don't, um, I don't know the distinction to be honest. <laughs> Uh, throughout her life, Declare was plagued by illness, including what Gold, uh, Emma Goldman, her contemporary, described as some disease of the nervous system, which she had developed in early childhood, along with depression. Um, she attempted suicide on at least two occasions, and she was also almost assassinated in 1902. Can you please go into that <laughs> a little more? Uh, so Herman Helcher was... Herman? Uh, Herman. Ugh. Herman Helcher was a former uh, student of hers, Mm -hmm. um, and he had uh, taken ill, he had had a fever, um, and she claimed that it had rendered him insane, and he didn't know what he was doing. Um, He uh, took a pistol and tried to shoot her. Um, He was stopped, uh, and she said that she immediately forgave him because he was not in his right mind He kind of proved him... Her right, maybe? <laughs> not that... Never mind, I'm not going to go into the ultimate, whatever. Right. Um, okay. She also refused to press charges. She said it would be an outrage against civilization if he were sent to jail for an act which was the product of a diseased brain. Well, she sticks true to her words, <laughs> like, that's what, yeah, someone yeah. in her position would have said and done if she felt that way. Unfortunately, did, yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, it left her with chronic ear pain. Music to our ears. Here it comes. Chronic ear pain, kind of like that. Yeah. Um, Chronic ear pain and a a throat infection that often adversely affected her ability to speak. Ew. Yeah. That would be awful. Um, During the spring of 1911, she was encouraged by the revolution in Mexico, which I've also spoken about before. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and she was especially uh, encouraged by the activities of an a- anarchist named um, Ricardo Flores Magón. 
Um, her last poem was dedicated to the Mexican uh, anarchists. Hey, do you have it? I don't have her okay. last poem. Uh, I will probably like read it in the next week. Um, and then do it. The I might be able to do it in the next episode, the part next two. Episode. Yeah, in part two. Um, in 1912, she died in Chicago uh, from septic meningitis. Um, she was in the hospital, and she was uh, interred in Waldheim Cemetery near Emma Goldman and the Haymarket mm-hmm. anarchists. Um, and that is the life and times of Valtrine Declare. Valtrine. Valtrine. It's the name of my first child. <laughs> You've heard it here first. It's such a beautiful name, Valtrine. Yeah. I've never like heard it in the yeah. world before. I haven't either. <laughs> One of these days, I'll just think you're fucking with me. You're like, that's not really their name. It's this. Um, <laughs> so tell me what you're doing this week. Well, I wanted to go back because it's been forever since I've done a first lady and mm-hmm. you know they're my favorites yeah it's a another on the like older first lady so i think the next time i do it i'm gonna do a more recent one that everyone's familiar with okay. i'm very curious about doing betty ford and, and focusing on the ford clinic which i think is really interesting mm. but that might that will obviously be for future so i decided to do and about our first first lady although that name didn't exist until later martha washington because like everyone knows of her yeah i know absolute shit about her <laughs> i couldn't tell you anything about her except that she was um george washington's wife yeah and that they never had children that is literally the only things i knew about her so tell me what you learned about her <clears throat> so this is the whole thing like they only tell you so much on the internet and i know there are so many books about george washington so like you can, I, there, there's so much more that i know that i don't know Hence why this is Armchair Apocrypha and I have to read a book on this. <laughs> so I'll tell you what the interwebs know. <laughs> okay, what does the interwebs right. know about uh, Martha, Washington? Martha Washington? Okay, well she was born Martha Dandridge okay. on June 13th, 1731. Mm-hmm. And on her parents' plantation in Chestnut Grove in the, it was called a British colony then in the province of Virginia because there weren't states then. Um, she had three brothers and four sisters but she was the oldest. I tried to look up stuff about her younger years Mm -hmm. before she turned 18, and nothing showed up because a woman didn't anything unless she had a husband. Of course. Um, So, on May 15th, 1750, at the ripe old age of 18, Martha married a guy named Daniel Park Custis, a rich planter who was 20 years older than her. So, he was 38, she was 18, or about, he was almost 38. And moved to his residence, White House Plantation. <laughs> and is located, it says it was a few miles upriver of Chestnut Grove from where she was. Okay. And they had four children together. I totally forgot that she had children. Like, I didn't even realize that, but it did ring a bell. Yeah. Um, two, jo- two of them died before they turned five. Which happened. Which, huh? Which yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. And I'll get back to the two that survived later. Um... And her husband died in 1757, so seven years after they married. So in that seven years, they had the four children. They're doing whatever else is doing, like, probably trying to have ten children, because you know how often children die. Yeah. Um, and he, I can't remember how it says he died. It wasn't like, I think he just got sick or something, yeah. um, which is also not uncommon. Uh, <laughs> like, 
It said that this left Martha a rich young widow at the age of 25. Um, with independence control over a dower inheritance of her lifetime and trustee control over the inheritance trustee control over the inheritance of her minor children from her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so in all, she was left in custody of over 17,000 acres of land, 300 slaves, apart from other investments and cash money. Okay. Um, <laughs> according to her biography, see, <clears throat> she has a funny biography. I want this. I should read it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> she capably ran the five, five plantations left to her when her, her first husband died bargaining with London merchants for the best tobacco prices. Nice. Um, yeah. So, like, she knew how to run things, so... She knew how to run a business. Yep. <clears throat> so now we're going to skip forward almost two years later. Martha is 27, and we have George Washington, who's almost 27. Mm-hmm. So she's, like, eight months or older than him. Right. Um, it says that they married on January 6th, ni- or 19th, 1759. <laughs> <laughs> They married after she was dead? Yeah, yeah. They, they, it's post-mortem marriage. <laughs> um, and they married at the White House Plantation. Mm-hmm. As a man who lived in owned property in the area, Washington likely knew Martha and Daniel before he died. Okay. Um, but during March of the previous year, he visited her twice at the White House. It's weird saying the White House, but you know what I mean. Um, the second time he came away with either an engagement, a marriage, or at least her promise to think about his proposal. At the time, she was also being courted by another planter, Charles Carter, who is even wealthier than Washington. Because wow. she's a young, rich, beautiful widow, like, well done, like well-spoken and everything. And my whole thing is like, well, why did she choose him? Maybe it was love. I like to think so. Maybe. Um, because this is what I love how... <laughs> One of the people said they appear to have a solid marriage. So I was like, okay, maybe she hated that Charles guy. Um, uh, Martha and George Washington had no children together, mm-hmm. which makes me think, because um, George Washington, oh shoot, he didn't have any children. Yeah. yeah. Um, he might have been infertile. Yeah, or... I was going to say, it would be on his side if that was the reason why. Yeah. And I don't think it's like they were celibate. Um but they never had children. You heard it here, folks. George Washington talked. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> um, but they raised Martha's two surviving children at uh-huh. that time. <laughs> um, her daughter was nicknamed Patsy, mm-hmm. but so was Martha at some points um, later. She died as a teenager during epileptic seizure, mm. which is awful. The only surviving child, uh, a son whose name was John, um, later married and had children, and he served as an aide to Washington during the siege of Yorktown in 1781 during the American Revolution. He died of camp fever. It's a probably epidemic typhus that was going around. Yeah. Um, but when I looked up his age, he was 27. Damn. Yeah. He was younger than me. Yeah. After his death, the Washingtons raised, so in that time, by the time he was 27, yeah. like Martha, he had four children. Um, I'm so, so glad I don't have four children. So after his death, the Washingtons, Martha and George, yeah. raised the two youngest children, mm-hmm. Eleanor and George, but the two older ones, these two girls, remained with the mom. And I'm not quite sure why that is. I'm pretty sure if I read one of these fucking biographies, I would know why, or maybe they don't know why. But they took the two youngest ones and helped raise them, which is why when you see portraits, you see two children. Right. But everyone knew that they weren't, they were their uh, grandchildren. Right. Um, 
So after the war, it's allegedly one plate, one site said she was against Washington agreeing to be the president of the newly formed United States of America. Another article said she felt it was much too late for him to go into public life again because he was kind of old. He was pretty old. I mean, in today's standards, all our senators and congressmen are that old. Yeah. But at that time. Um, but noted that it was not to be avoided. So it's like, yeah. She was pretty private. But I mean, it's hard to say because I'm pretty sure most people in the 1780s are pretty private. Because now all of a sudden, no one knows about you except like your area. But then you'll be written about in newspapers. And right. that's kind of a weird thing. Right. Um. And she did not attend his inauguration in April third on April thirtieth, seventeen eighty nine. But I kind of want to look up the inauguration because it's not what it is today. That could have yeah. been like nothing. Like, yeah. oh yeah, you go inaugurate to be the president, whatever right, that right. is. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't say that as her like being against it or you know anything along those lines because no one knew what was gonna. I mean. And it was probably all of the lawyer friends yeah. just, like, gathered around. Just, like, come like, to the courthouse. Okay, we agree that you're to. I should have looked it up. I mentioned yeah. that I forgot. Um, so once he assumed office, um, as they called her Lady Washington, because mm-hmm. First Lady wasn't a term yet, um, she hosted many affairs of state at New York City and Philadelphia during the years, and those were, like, the temporary capitals at the time. The socializing became known as the Republican Court, which I thought was an interesting but it makes sense. The Court of the Republic? I would, yeah. Okay. That's what I'm guessing it was going for. Right. Um, uh, Martha was aware that her behavior as the, like, first lady, quote-unquote, uh, would become the template for the wives of future chief executives. Yeah. Which is very true, just like George Washington. Um, one of her most important steps was to initiate a weekly reception held on Friday evenings for anyone who would like to attend. Um, and she invited different people from all like walks of life to come to this type of reception. So people did appreciate that. Still, she always, uh, longed to turn, return home. At this point, home is Mount Vernon because that's where Washington Mm -hmm. is from. And of course you just go where your husband goes. Um, as the political atmosphere became more, um, like, it says noxious, which I like. And partisan during Washington's second term, her longing increased for the place. Because I'm pretty sure she's like, this is stupid. Um, she was, and this is where it says she was relieved when he refused to serve a third term. Hence, like, the only time we've ever had a president for more than two terms is FDR. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. I'm really interested to look about how all these... Uh, presidents who had the chance to run for a third term were just like, nope. And I'm pretty sure, like, after eight fucking years of being shat on for, yeah. like, by everyone, you're like, I am done. <laughs> I don't know why FDR, FDR is probably just not give a fuck. It's like, I got this, guys. No one else can do it. And I get that idea, too. <laughs> um, but, you know, all the other presidents who have served eight years yeah. or two full terms elected and how they just kind of like, oh, no, we're good. Yeah. It was almost like an unwritten rule until it became a written rule. Yeah. Um, because of someone. Um, Who was that? FDR. I already said that. <laughs> because of someone. Because of that one guy in that the wheelchair. One um, <laughs> um, although her father had owned 15 to 20 slaves, her first husband, Daniel, owned nearly 300, making him one of the largest slave owners and wealthiest men in the Virginia colony. The full Custis, I think that's how you pronounce the last name, C-U-S-T-I-S, 
um, estate contained plantations and far- farms totaling 27 square miles at this point and 285 or 300 um, enslaved men, women, and children attached to the holdings. And so a lot of her proportions had to do with like how land was going to go and separate once her. George died, once she died, and her children and slaves and things like that, um, because that's all that they wanted to talk about on this. And that was, it was a little interesting, but I didn't really want to dive into it, because things kept changing. Um, so to shorten it up a little bit, this is literally all the internet really tells you about Martha Washington. Okay. Like, that's about it. I'm almost done. Um, but she died on May 22nd in 1802. So she saw the turn of the century nice. at the age of 70. Um, it was just two years after her husband died, and they did say that she took her husband's death really hard, which I get. Right. Um, Martha did not emancipate any of her slaves during her lifetime, but George did. Like, he had it in his will. Um, her will bequeathed Elisha, a slave whom she owned outright at the time of her death, to her grandson, George. Um, upon her death, her slaves reverted to the Custis estate and were divided among her four grandchildren. And this is the shitty part. The division split families, divided husbands from wives and sent children away from their parents. That is some bullshit. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> I was like, I can't not say that. <laughs> um, yeah. But I wanted to end on more fun facts. So here's my little fun facts okay. section. What's your fun fact? Um, it's a couple. So in the 18th century, there was a way for people to protect themselves. From, there's the big smallpox outbreaks. Mm-hmm. And do you know how to prevent yourself from dying of smallpox? How's that? Inoculation, i.e. what like... Um, vaccination. Yeah, vaccination is now. So you get exposed to disease uh, like in a mild case and then providing future immune or getting immune from it from it actually going full blown. So vaccinate your fucking kids. Yeah, that is a real thing you should do. <laughs> <laughs> Don't understand how that's an argument right now, but right. it is. Uh, uh, but... You know, this is a little more iffy because it wasn't, like, test-proven with, like, shots are today. Right, right. Uh, There's no guarantee that the initial illness would be mild, That meaning that. Um, but she made it, uh, Martha had made sure for without going, undergoing this procedure. But then there was a big outbreak of it, and she needed protection if she wanted to stay with George during the Revolutionary War. Um George felt that Martha's fears would prevent her from going through the inoculation, but he was wrong. On May 23rd, 1776, she was exposed to smallpox by a doctor in Philadelphia, and the treatment went well, leaving both her immune and unscarred. Nice. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Also, hashtag... That's rare. Yeah. Hashtag. Vaccinate your kids. <laughs> hashtag vaccinate your fucking kids. Um... Also, she hated Thomas Jefferson, which I love. Any <laughs> on Thomas Jefferson, I'm all for it. It seems like most people do yeah. at the time. So Martha disliked and disdained Jefferson, um, usually because uh, this had to do with his involvement with his political attacks on her husband. Um, as Martha later revealed to a clergyman, she considered Jefferson, quote, one of the most detestable of mankind and his election to the presidency, quote, the greatest misfortune our country has ever experienced. <laughs> um, she was five feet tall, which, hey, <laughs> uh, but most women that in that time period, they said were an average of five, two. Yeah. So she was still short to those people, <laughs> but not as short. <laughs> short, no pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, unlike most women at the time, she could read and write, which is how she was able to run all these plantations. 
she was taught at an early age because she was from a pretty wealthy family to read and write. And that wasn't like looked down upon from women or as much. Um, and then last thing, as we may know, um, she was later honored as the first woman to have her likeness printed on U.S. currency in 1886. Not obviously in current. That's for Harriet Tubman. Woot woot. Um, uh, 2020? Is that when they're doing it? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Um, as well as the first uh, woman to appear on a U.S. postage stamp in 1902. Nice. Yeah. And that is a very, like, thin layer, <laughs> like earth crust thin layer yeah. of Martha Washington's life. Nice. I'll see if I can find out anything more for next week if I remember saying that. Cool. Um, but I just, she's one of the few first ladies I was like, you really don't know much about her. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, and rightly so, so much is focused on George Washington because he was the first president. Um, and it's so different because they didn't really have, like, a White House and they changed capitals throughout their time and yeah. all this stuff. And of course, he didn't run for a third term. He died like two years after he left office, basically. Um, and so he would have been 68, yeah. yeah. But it was, yeah. And next time I do a first lady, I think I'm going to do someone from like, uh, I can never do Eleanor, just Eleanor. Eleanor Roosevelt, right? So yeah. um, I'm never going to do it because it would be like a six-part series. Plus, there's so much about her, as Let's there should it. be. Yeah. Um, Let's if, I would really go like all for it yeah. if we did it. But then there's also the beautiful Ken Burns documentary about the Roosevelt's that just touches on her so well, although yeah. they don't acknowledge some things, but whatever. Um, I would, uh, but I think I would do something from like Roosevelt's time to more present day. Okay. For the, my next first lady, which yeah. I think would be fascinating. That would be interesting. Good. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't know what that was. <laughs> but, All right. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about today? Or are we... Uh, looks like we're 30 minutes in. Oh, wow. You want to yeah. go? I talked really fast this it's time, a, too. Yeah. It's also just like a quick episode. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of information in a very short amount of time. I know. If I had time to read it, <laughs> if I knew I was going to Martha Washington yeah. earlier, I would have, but I just wanted to see more about her. I was like, I wish I knew more. So there's an idea. I need a Martha Washington book. Let's find a Martha Washington biography and uh, try to do that another time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then we can make a musical about it called Washington. Everything, everyone would think about George <laughs> Washington, but it's actually about Martha Washington. Exactly. But we won't make it a rap like Hamilton, so it would just be a little bit different. Yeah, I can't It'll rap. sell out. <laughs> I can't rap, so. <laughs> Not with that attitude, you can't. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm white. I, mean, I can't rap. <laughs> a couple of drinks, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll think you're rapping, and that's all that matters. <laughs> Until we show the video later, it's yeah. confidence, Andrew. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Yeah. That's what I got. All right, well, let's get out of here. Yeah. Um, as always, buy my books. Uh, check out the website. It's um, absinthactivismarts.wordpress.com. Um, we've got uh, some of my writing, Katie's artwork. Uh, she's taking commissions, although mm-hmm. she's got a new job, so she might be a little bit uh, slow. Um, but just let her know what you mm-hmm. want. Yeah. Tell her what time frame you're looking for. 
Um, we've got music from Chet Osman up on the website. Um, I need to I need to work on the other podcast. Yes, how how did your interview go? Which interview? An interview for a voice oh, actor. Oh, uh, with William, it went great. Uh, he seems like a, a good uh, good voice actor. He said he has his own home studio, which is that's crazy, amazing. Um, yeah. Oh, it'll, good. It'll be a little bit expensive, but hopefully we can uh, we can work, work about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. trying to get all of the other voice actors, um, most of whom are not that professional, mm-hmm. uh, but he'll be the main character, so he can hopefully carry it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he will. Yeah. I say it like I know this guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, I know him. <laughs> um, I could totally pick him out in the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else is there? Uh, I think that's it for this yeah. week. Um, yeah. Let's get out of here. Let's get out. Um, see you. See you next week, listeners. Um, next two weeks. Next two weeks. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. <laughs>